When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, the Knicks are dead and the Nets are victorious. Wow. (laughs) Kevin Durant is a god. James Harden is back. Wow. Shut out of a cannon. (laughs) Before we get started on today's show, the show is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Drop heavy. Hello, Hello. Check us out on Twitter at NetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind the paywall at TheAthletic.com slash glue, guys. Ryan. Michael. Let's go. The Nets Let's are back. Go. You're fired up today. They're you champions. Had your, you had your, your Frappuccino. I can tell. Got my 7-Eleven large a large boy from 7-Eleven. Are you doing just black? Are you Columbian. doing 7-11 blackies? <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, half and half. Come on. All right. I'm all right. not. You know, I'm not. <laughs> half cream, half, half coffee. <laughs> Love it. Love that. Uh, I'm basically dripping whipped cream at this point. <laughs> Brian? Michael. The Nets won. We did it. We did it. It wasn't. In hostile territory. <laughs> at the place. <laughs> Dude, I hate, I hate that so much that, I mean. <laughs> the conversation. The conversation. The entire- or the, the pre- like, in the post-game interview with James Harden. I forget who it was who did it, but she, you know she steps, pulls him aside, and is like, "Hey, did it feel like you're at a Knicks at a Knicks home game? Did it? Did it feel that way? Because it was because it was so because so many this obsession over the fact that that Knicks gonna be, fans because whatever uh, you say, it's going in tickets? the it's going in the can tomorrow. We're talking about it tomorrow. That's for sure. Oh my lord, it's too much. And 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 honestly. Like that's the thing that 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 these Knicks fans hold on to. They hold on to the fact that they had fans in the building. As a person who likes fun, I'm a I'm a I'm not a fun police. I'm a fun fire starter. Oh, a fun if, arson. I'm a, I'm a fun arsonist. Wow. <laughs> an arsonist of fun. Um, I actually thought it was a great atmosphere in the clay. I know. Can I we, heard back can we, and forth. Can we center in on that? How it's a, how it's a battleground, you know, like sure. It's we awesome. can like, you know, MSG, we need to, we definitely need to push into their space a little bit more to yes. earn some respect for that. Like these, these are love is a battleground arguments, but um, I would like it to trend more in that direction. Cause I've, you know, I didn't go last night, but I've been to those games and this, it's by far the most fun 
basketball I've ever been to is Nets Knicks in Barclays Center, just because it's so it's so testy. Every like you'll be sitting next to, and you just form little cliques and enclaves and factions in your own section where you're yelling at people. It's super fun. It's great. I and love it. it. it it's like Avengers Endgame when they all arrive outside, like the Avengers headquarters, and they have the battle. In yeah. like the open field, yeah. just you know th- their practice fields right. for the Avengers. That it that's what Barclays feels like. You know, there's Thanos, the Knicks. I mean, I guess really the Nets are Thanos, if we're being honest, right? Like we're the bad guys. We're we're the villains in a but lot if, of ways. Yeah, but Thanos was right. I mean, that's kind of the thing. You know, <laughs> to, oh, like the fifty percent of the world needs to go. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> well, not just the world, the universe. The you know, universe, like, right, right. The universe. It was fun. Can we? Can we enjoy basketball for a moment? Yeah, the Nets, you know, they 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 were the dominant team throughout most of the game, and then they let the Knicks come back, and that you know that could be discouraging on some level. But this was a fun basketball game. It was. It was high fun. energy. Both teams going at each other. Role players stepping up. The James Johnson being the hero of the game is mind boggling and mind baffling to me that that worked out like we've seen the bad version of the role player yeah. driving to the hoop like what was it bruce brown in the playoffs against the bucks sure like yeah, remember yeah. he like drove to the hoop and it was disastrous <laughs> yes. i supported him in that moment i, I was yeah. like still do. basketball play still do still to do. this day always always yeah. uh, i rubber stamp all bruce brown moves but james johnson driving to the hoop to go yeah. for like the winning bucket <laughs> and hitting the free throws. Dude, what a James Johnson play. hits hits the big shots. He's got Wavos for days. Like, Wavos Rancheros. He's got Absolutely. the Rancheros going big time. <laughs> um, the meanwhile, there, it right? was like Alec Burks was getting so much airtime on the ESPN or the TNT oh broadcast. They, you would have thought, I was like, dude, I had to look. I was like, wait, is this the same like 11-year veteran Alec Burks? <laughs> I was like, is this a <laughs> Who, new like, Alec has Burks? been like floating around the yeah. NBA forever, <laughs> like, but now he's the I, starting I, point guard for like, your New York Knicks? The maybe, like shining example of averageness in the NBA and, like, <laughs> and God bless him. God man. bless. You know, that's you know a storied you know average career. Great. You know that's 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 a that's a lane. But uh, you would have thought he was like. <laughs> I guess it's because you know Kemba had been so publicly outed that they'd be like, guys, get excited. Here's the Kemba replacement. Fire it up. Emergency press conference. Kemba Walker has been benched. That's what it felt like. The storylines going into the game were quite juicy because you you had this Nets team that had been on a hot streak then lost that game to the Suns and had lost previously to the Warriors. So it's like, hey, can they beat a good team while also benching Blake Griffin, right? Blake gets benched. Then the Knicks are like, hold my beer. We're going to bench the guy we just had this triumphant homecoming for in Kemba Walker. We're going to bench him and talk about how he's had a nice career. Oh my God. Like Tibbs, obviously the funny thing is we kind of pull that quote. So Tibbs said, for those who don't know, he was asked about why Kemba was benched. Essentially. He was like, yeah, he's still part of the team and he's had a nice career. (laughs) It's like, Oh, I I know what what was going on behind the scenes where they ended up on that as the, like, they were like, Tibbs was like, should we give him a a full like Viking funeral? They're like, no, let's just do a press conference. (laughs) (laughs) Let's send him out on a wooden boat in (laughs) the Hudson river and and fire a flaming arrow. (laughs) Uh, which is the best way to die, right? Like, or best way. way to be to be buried. That's it's asking, how it's asking a lot of your family to know how to shoot a flaming arrow, though. That's that's you know that's where I lose. You know, I don't know anyone in my family who could hit my casket with a flaming arrow. Maybe maybe I, I'm wrong. The modern version of that is being placed into like a grocery cart in a Target and just being pushed down the aisle. 
while someone like yeah. shoots silly string at you. That's how I want. Jeez. Is that that's that is a lo-fi <laughs> Viking funeral. <laughs> that is a budget. Um, let's budget. talk about basketball and yeah, the game, please. It was it was not only was it a fun game. It was a really sort of compelling game of you know at, at the beginning of the game, James Harden looks oh. like. Peak, peak James Harden. What did he score? 28 points in the first half. He ends up with only 34, but he was ultra aggressive to start. Mm -hmm. KD was bad, and then it flipped in the second half. Do you and Kevin Durant you, was great and James Harden didn't do anything. Do you think, and I'm stealing this from I think Grace in the Discord, shout out to the Discord and the and the dirty stream. Um, do you think Reggie Miller is gonna get a ring uh with if we win it this year? Do you think he Explain gets a ring? Explain the Reggie Miller thing. <clears throat> so uh, Reggie Miller in the broadcast, if, if for those who wasn't watching, basically like so James Harden starts out playing well, he hits a couple of shots and he's looking aggressive. Like a couple and of step back threes, he's fired the up bucket. and Reggie begins to like put a you know, adorn his his cap with a feather and say, like, I pulled James. James Harden aside before this game <laughs> and I and I told him be James Harden I just I just slapped him around I took him by the collar and I was like wake up beard. damn it <laughs> wake up um it was like that scene in in uh in uh Robin Williams's pan you know where he's like remember remember who you are he was you mean uh, hook hook god what did I say pan <laughs> pan <laughs> <laughs> you know the movie the movie he did about pans? Uh wow, hook, Jesus, it's still early for me. <laughs> Peter Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> hook. Um Hook, where the where the Hook's kids like dope. remember who you are. Anyways, uh that's wow, what, what a, but also great that is true. Yeah. Rob yeah, remember who you are and start eating out of the, the empty bowl and turn it into Frosting, I, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think in the in the food they were basically all eating frosting, right? Yeah, they're just eating globs thing. of like 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 blue mashed potatoes or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mashed potatoes, the food. Diet. Which as a fat kid yeah. again was my favorite scene in the movie. It's big. It's big. undeniable. Um, I people are by the way doubting your fat kid credentials. By the way, there is a there is a, a lot a lot of speculation <laughs> in the your community. Your boys were in uh, shirts <laughs> in the pool. They think okay? that you're you're pulling some kind of weird <laughs> fat kid street cred card and that you don't have the <laughs> How dare they? How dare they? My mom. Hey, here's the credentials. Okay, here's the CV. If there was a LinkedIn for fat kids, here's a couple of items that I could put forward. Okay, here's my my real tape. Uh, wear, wore husky clothes as a child. They were called husky clothes. They were that's what they were called. Uh, I wore uh, shirts in the pool, which is really like the ultimate. That sign is of the a calling fat kid. card. That's the calling. That's and that's a prerequisite. I was. I was uh, I wrestled in a in a in a league where it was first grade through eighth grade, all ages were in it. It just depended on your weight, which is what wrestling is. I was the heavyweight wrestler first through eighth grade as a fifth grader. Okay. I was the heavyweight. I was the biggest kid <laughs> on my wrestling team. I, look, I didn't mean to call it into question. I'm I was just in saying the unlimited there, weight class. There are people in Glue Nation as a fifth grader. who are who are speculating hey, wildly. And I'm streamers, not saying it's quarters. I'm not How saying it's fair. Uh, anyways, uh, so Reggie Miller pulled pulled <laughs> yes. Robin Williams aside, and they ate mashed potatoes. I forget what we we're talking about. Um, no, so Reggie Miller was basically like, I I pulled James Harden aside, and and I fixed his game. I made him. I I adjusted his mental state to the point where he was an elite scorer. And then James Harden basically confirmed this in the press conference afterwards. He was like, 
dude, Reggie Miller like set me straight. I don't know. He he like hypnotized him into I don't know what kind of juju magic spell that Reggie Miller was casting. But um, you know, I need some of that. I I, I think we could all use a little pep talk from Reggie Miller <laughs> to start the yeah, day. Yeah, but if, if Reggie Miller was like, "You are Mike Smeltz," like, yeah, it's not, that good. <laughs> not that good. You know, it's like like saying that to James Harden. You are James Harden. Be like, oh shit, yeah, I'm one of the greatest offensive yeah. guards of all time. You are Mike Smeltz. It's like. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. t-shirt, t-shirt in the pool. Great. Yeah. Middle like, um, <laughs> the, the other juicy element of this is the fact that, of course, Reggie has this fantastic history with the Knicks. He has mm. stabbed the Knicks fan base in the heart so many times as a player. There's literally an entire documentary about how Reggie Miller has murdered the Knicks. And he's done so in front of in very public ways in front of Spike Lee. We all know the history. And in this battle of the boroughs, Reggie decides to to send his magical Knicks killing powers to James Harden as if it was Space Jam and Reggie inserted his essence into the basketball and gave it to James Harden to turn him into a monster once again. And it was real. Like, I, I, and I'm not really, I don't know how much to credit Reggie Miller, though. Obviously, James Harden, as you said, said so. That first half, that was James, that was pure distilled I, I was about to say uncut but if you're distilled and uncut that doesn't mm. really make sense James Harden it was aggression driving to the hole I mean I think the thing is and he said this Reggie Miller said this on the broadcast is that James has had issues with trying to figure out when to be distributor bro and when to be scorer bro he came out and was just I'm going to be I'm going to be Luka Doncic old James Harden scorer guy and it was really effective now the other thing about it though Bri Mm. is that Kevin Durant had his like his worst half of the season to start. Mm. And I, so what I wonder is that like Kevin Durant has been so amazing this year and so efficient and that James Harden really has kind of been like off and on. This was the first time I remember seeing James Harden, particularly in that half, that first half where he was just electric <clears throat> and fully in control. I wonder, can they be in control together? Like, can mm. they both be peaked mm. together or does one or the other kind of have to take a back seat for at least a quarter or a half for the other guy to be ultra dominant? Yeah. Like we just, just because James hasn't been that good this year. I don't know if that's, it, it's one case. It's one data point where we see James Harden play well and Kevin Durant not play well. I just wonder if that's like kind of the thing. So that we, can they both be dominant and efficient if they're not? like controlling the ball to a certain degree. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there hasn't been a lot of evidence to suggest that they like complement each other as, you know, as much as one would hope. Like having I watched we sit up and watched the Suns Warriors games after this and oh, it was good. really really interesting to watch um just, you know, we had a bit a long conversation. This kind of goes back to like some old conversations we used to have on the show about um Kevin Durant's taking issue with the Warriors as like playing the beautiful game and all their BS. And then when it actually came down to winning playoff series, they're like, Katie, please go get a bucket for us for God's sakes. Like we can't yeah. spend, we can't set five more screens for Steph Curry here. Like we have to get, we have to just score this bucket. And he was like, <laughs> nobody talked about how much like usage, like was I was, that was taking up in the playoffs. And like, it was still like beautiful game. Steve, Kerr, Steve Kerr's a genius. Meanwhile, it was go get a bucket KD time. In, in many ways, I'm wondering if, like, we're just kind of not doing the pretense of, like, playing, you know, anything but sort of, like, playoff basketball, um, even in the regular season. Like, I, <laughs> you know, like, we're just not, like, 
And also, you know, because of our personnel limitations too, like a lot of our offensive weapons, you know, not going to talk about touch football here. I, I promised I wouldn't. I promised Jeez. I wouldn't. A lot of our, a lot of our, um, a lot of our weapons are not there. So like, you know, a lot of the off season, this is stuff that we were talking about in the discord as well. Like, you know, our defensive. So it's interesting that like all of a sudden we have like a way better defense and offense just based on our, our roster. That wouldn't make a ton of sense, but like, um, is it, is it worth it to implement like a super cool offensive system that you'll, eventually abandoned because when <laughs> when the playoffs come you're just going to like probably ew, my cat um take turns doing the thing that we're doing right now which is like offensive set with james harden offensive set with kd i think the only issue with it is and i don't think it's like necessarily problematic the only issue is that we're getting our butts wiped off the floor by good teams at the moment and you know i, I think like i don't know that do, like, do you trust that evidence going into the playoffs? Like there's some, like you kind of do want to see some version of a comprehensive offense just to know that you, you could do it <laughs> to like win regular season games um, that like Nash has the ability to like orchestrate. Well, he does. I mean, I think yeah. last year the team had a, a fairly beautiful offense and they, you know, they did share the ball really well, even like the, the short period of time when we actually had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, I mean, I remember the shows that we had. I was super impressed by how all of their ability to all get off the shots that they wanted while sharing the ball, like Harden particularly, really sacrificed when he came over to Brooklyn to be the point guard when famously Kyrie Irving was like, I'll be the two guard, you be the point guard, James. Yeah. And Ky Kyrie sacrificed by not being the main ball handler and James sacrificed by giving up the ball more than he normally would. This version of this team... I don't know the numbers on pick and roll number. Like I, we could look it up as we go about the show, but they don't really run pure pick and roll. That was like all the rage in the NBA for so many years leading up to now. I think teams are shifting a little bit off pick and roll, just a little bit. Um, and I think what ultimately it is is just a product of who they have. Kevin Durant is the best ISO player in the league. James Harden's a top five ISO guy in the league. Lamarcus Aldridge is a guy who like. He doesn't ever fit – he doesn't, like, fit into a flow of an offense, move the ball. He's like, I get the ball, I'm going to put it up from, you know, 15 feet. Mm -hmm. Patty Mills is the shifty guy who's making a lot of plays, shooting threes and all that stuff. And Ben Bregis is, you know, he's not ever going to be involved in an offense. I think if you just go down the line, they just don't have a team that is, like – they don't need the Warriors system, yeah. ultimately. And I do think they want – they should – like, if Nick Claxton gets back and he actually starts playing – we're going to see more pick and roll because he's the one guy who's a pick and roll big. And we were actually going like deep diving on this last night and looking at like passes, uh, like pass rate by team. And the Warriors obviously like lead the league by a pretty wide margin. But the Phoenix Suns are right there with the Brooklyn Nets at the bottom two and three worst or like least passes per per game teams, which is interesting because I was actually thinking about like drawing kind of an unfortunate comparison between Chris Paul and James Harden as like now that Chris Paul is 36, will turn 37 this year. <clears throat> um his like speed is somewhat limited by, you know, you can kind of tell it's diminished slightly. And the way that he does most of his damage is just by getting his first guy on his hip and then like kind of living in that weird, awkward space between having the uh, rim protector guy step up and guard him from the mid range and then having the other guy like stay on his hip and, and like try to come over. Uh, and it just creates a whole lot of weird tension for the defense. It just makes everyone feel, feel ill at ease. And like Harden is a, 
would be like really spectacular at that. He's still look, looking for his drive as though he's 29 and that's like his primary thing. But I would like, I don't know. It's, it's weird to be like, Hey, James Harden, I encourage you to like watch some tape of somebody because you know, you, <laughs> you probably know You're, more than I do. Yeah. Um, but like, I would say like, <laughs> we should email his people about that. Yeah. But like, sure it did it. occur to me that I was like, you know, Chris Paul has athletic like limitations based on what he was 10 years ago or whatever. Um, uh, or five years ago, uh, and that it might be like time for James Harden to start looking at that as a way to break down defenses a little bit more pragmatically than what he's been doing. Yeah, but I, so I will say I'm looking up numbers as we talk. The Nets are second in the NBA in assist percentage, which means so like that's what's really interesting. They have a super high passes that lead to assists, but yeah. low overall passes, which is interesting. Yeah, so it's very efficient form of passing, right? It's a, probably they are the most efficient passing team. The Warriors are number one with 71% of assist percentage is the amount of shots you make that come from assists over the course of the game. So if you're 71%, two-thirds of the shot you make during the game have been assisted to you. Well, well, there's other – I thought you were looking at this other stat, which is interesting too, which is assists to pass percentage, meaning which percentage of pass, passes actually led to an assist. So like you can have a bunch of empty passes, you know, hockey assists or whatever – and so you can have like a ton of passes that don't actually lead to an assist. Um, but And the Nets rank really, really high, as do the Phoenix Suns, in <clears throat> the assist to pass percentage uh, metric, which is a really interesting thing. So basically, it's like James Harden does one pass away and Kevin Durant shoots it. You know, that's like basically yeah. the offense. You know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, though, I think the, the team itself is – it is this very weird thing because we haven't seen them beat a really good team. Yeah. But – the Knicks game, I think this best crystallizes maybe how Knicks fans feel. This is from Brian sent this to me. This is from Worldwide Wob, right? What's his name? Rob Perez. Mm-hmm. He's you know the guy on Twitter who has the Adam Silver meme as his Twitter profile. Very funny on Twitter. He's a huge Knicks fan, and this is what he said after the game. Someone sent this to us, and I think it is emblematic of what it's like to be a Knicks fan watching the Nets in the current state. Every single time the Knicks go to Brooklyn, the same shit happens down the stretch that it becomes Julius Randle versus Kevin Durant, and you can't win that. How is this guy so good? Made that shit look easy. And the most Mm -hmm. frustrating part is there's nothing that we could do about it. (laughs) That's what a baby. Um, What what a child. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But... But great analysis because it's true. Like the difference between the two teams at this point, there's a lot of differences. But the the Knicks are relying on Alec Burks, the greatest point guard in Knicks history, and Julius Randle. Julius Randle's fantastic versus the the Nets relying on James Harden and, and Kevin Durant. That was I, evident in the game. I will say like there is kind of a <clears> – <throat> This is this is a normal thing for Knicks fans, but like a little bit of a reality check. You should be kind of excited to be that in that deep and that close with this. I, I hate to say, it, but like you know, <laughs> what I, a I say, I say this with no you prejudice. Should be thankful to just lose by two. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, and I mean that honestly with with no prejudice. Like that's you know, be glad that it was an exciting game. That's you know, because that's where you guys are. That's fine. That's where you are sure. in your trajectory. We've been there. You know, it's we're just yeah, different we were there now. Like five yeah, years ago. Five years ago. We'll we'll let you know how it tastes yeah. in our area. <laughs> You keep enjoying yeah. your. I'm going to reference yeah. the two the the two roll sushi lunch. We're over here at Nobu. <laughs> yes, eating that fine fine. That's right. And you guys eating are the fine fine eating the fine fine. Um, 
There, there were a couple of massive developments in the game, and we're going to talk about it coming up after the break. I'm just going to give you a hint of who we're going to discuss. Uh, Cam Thomas, because we got to talk about Cam Thomas. Please, let's. And we're back, Brian. Cam Thomas, the young, prepubescent point guard that is on this team, uh, has but definitely risen. Checking his T levels, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, he has is having himself a little run here. Mm. In the past four games, mm. three of them he's been in double digits. He's been getting starting with that at Cleveland game on last week. It's. 15 minutes, 25 minutes, 12 minutes, and 21 minutes now against the Knicks. 11 points, 13 points, 3 points against the Suns. That was a sad game. Then 12 points against the Knicks. What I love, so he's 5 for 9 from the field. He is really trying to play sort of fit within the flow of the offense, fit within the hierarchy of the floor Mm -hmm. when he's out there. I think he was the first sub put in the game by Steve Nash in this Knicks game. Like, he, it wasn't just, like, mop-up duty no, or... No, he, And that's been he, the case for the last, like, three games now. He was put in. He's really trying to... He goes to the corner. He waits in the corner. He If he gets the ball, he had two catch-and-shoot threes, which we joked about in Summer League. Like, I just want to see... Like, I, I watched all the Cam Thomas tape I could get my hands on. I lapped it up yeah. like a, like your cat Magneto <laughs> sure. in, in a bowl of warm milk. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't like I, milk. Won't eat human food at all. Doesn't do it. Not any shocker. kind of human food. Not even tuna. Not a not a tuna fan. Not honestly. Not even tuna. Not even a gourmet sesame encrusted seared tuna <laughs> steak. <laughs> speaking <laughs> won't, of, won't touch it. Yeah. Speaking of sushi, yeah. um, but <clears throat> Cam really doesn't shoot. He never got o- an open shot a catch and shoot at LSU because he just had the ball all the time and he would p- put it up for mid range right? Um, or from three. Uh, he took wide open threes that he hit. He was two from five from three and he's really working hard to fit in and he played a little defense. He had a great mm. steal, like intercepted a pass. He was guarding at times Julius Randall because the Knicks kept switching on kept switching KD onto the ball handler and Cam would switch onto Randall and then Randall would get the ball. I am loving, loving yeah. what I'm seeing out of Cam. I mean, it, it shows next level awareness, a self-awareness that I didn't think we would see his rookie year. I don't want to go too crazy, but what have you seen from Camuel Thomas? Yeah, I agree. It's uh, he's, he's showing the willingness to adapt to playing with some of the most elite offensive weapons the game has ever seen, Michael. Um, <laughs> uh, I will say, like, there's still I, – I love him a lot, and I think, like, I can kind of see into his brain. He's overcooking his, his jump shot a little bit. It's a little new to him. He's holding X kind of too long. There's too much lift on, <laughs> on, on the shot, and the mechanics start to get overwrought. Um, but uh, in general, like each game, you can see like there's we're building towards that breakup breakout moment. There seems like it's just almost going to have the big, you know, 30 point game. Like it's it's really just it's, it's like two or three games away. It's somewhere right, yeah. right up close. Let's look at the schedule coming. Let's let's d- divine the Cam Lots. Thomas breakout moment. So yeah. they play. Fr- they have a nice long break here. They're off today on Wednesday, off on Thursday in a home game against the Timberwolves on Friday. Then they play a back-to-back. They play at home again to the Bulls on Saturday night. Then it's then they go on a four-game road trip at Dallas, at Atlanta, at Detroit. Oh, wait, at Dallas, at Houston, 
at Atlanta, oh, at that, Detroit. You know what it is. I think it's that Houston of game. Of course. Of course. It's where gotta be. It's on a back it's on a back to back, I think. Yeah, it's on a back to back. Dallas, then Houston. That's where maybe James Harden sits because he doesn't maybe he doesn't want to play in Houston. Uh, I would mm. not blame him for not wanting to get yelled at by everyone in Houston about we, that. We, but you think he's gonna sage it? Could, he could sage it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they could fly Kyrie in for that Ooh, game specifically. The sage, to the sageman. Um, that, I mean, he's being paid quite well. He <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> at true. least he could ward off the bad spirits. Um, Man. That's like like that game is. Hey, can we get thirty five minutes of Cam Thomas? Let him put up twenty five shots. I think and things, see if he can like break some records. I think things are building towards that. I think if I had to guess, that's the one. Let's circle it. Let's put some money down. The coolest thing about Cam is that you can tell KD and Harden like generally like they they are really he is invested his, in his growth. It's their son. They got together. They had a boy, and it was, his name was Cam. You know when you watch Shark Tank? I don't know if you watch Shark Tank, but you could tell sometimes I, the, sh- the sharks are they just want. They like the bottom line. They like the revenue generated from a new business, but they don't really care about the story of the entrepreneurs that are being presented in front of them. Sure. Cam is like that single mom who comes in front of <laughs> uh, of the yeah. sharks. She yeah. she put all of her money in designing a, a new bottle for toddlers to drink out of, and it's selling like hotcakes in her small town. Right. But she really needs that distribution push, mm. and Mark Cuban and Lori – uh, they they really get invested in that single mom, and yeah, they're gonna put their money behind it, but they're really gonna put their energy into right. that business to right. take it to the next level. Totally, that's Kevin Durant, and James Harden looking at Cam Thomas and saying, "You, my friend, you have talent, you have a growth potential, and I'm gonna invest part of my soul into you, and I want to see you grow." Because that's Cam. Because that they Cam. really there's like the Alex Schiffer of the Athletic, and if you haven't yet. Alex wrote a really great story about LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus really talking about his his sort of the medical issues that he had with his heart and coming back and now being obviously a huge contributor for the Nets. You can find that story on The Athletic. Get yourself mm. behind that paywall at theathletic.com slash glue guys. Alex tweeted out a video of Cam Thomas and Kevin Durant, the last two guys at practice working on their shots together. I, I, I'm going to say this, bold bold statement. It's going to be impactful in Cam Thomas's career if he actually listens to KD and Harden, you know. And I think he is. He's like, it's going to be matter for growth. And I think they recognize in him that if they can slowly bring him along this season, he's going to matter at certain points when they are going to need him in the playoffs, right? Like he, he's not Kyrie, right? He's never going to do what Kyrie's doing, but he's going to be in. There's, he's going to be that like mix of role players like Patty Mills and Lamarcus Aldridge potentially who can score 18 in a playoff game and like shift the balance of that game. That's the goal. Uh, drastically. Because we don't know. I mean, this team does need that. What, what would you say like this team is lacking at this point from personal? Because to me, it is that like third score bro who is more of a guard oriented. I know Patty Mills can do it, but Patty is like, you, like Patty's very good. But like, I, I think more of like a traditional like ISO bucket getter off the bench. This is, I'll be saying this a lot, and I think I've said it in previous episodes, but this will it'll start to become a meme. Two two needs that are already on the friggin' roster that we don't have access to, but two needs. One, super penetration scorer, bro. Yep. Vol- A.K.A. Voldemort. Two, Nick Claxton's pick-and-roll partner for James Harden. You know, these are the things. The You know, just to fully get all the best, all of what you can get out of James Harden, he, he does require a springy 
um, center kind of position bro roller. Um, we have him. Apparently, Nick Claxton's coming back. Um, you know, he's been practicing with with the Long Island Nets. Um, little little article passed around. So um, eager to see what he looks like when he comes back. Um, so, like, I don't know that we need to make make personal moves, but um, you know, we have <laughs> under contract some guys who could who could be there. Um, so we shall see. We shall see, Mike. Before we get to a wonderful email from Sean, good friend, good friend of the show. Anything else from the game? that we think we we forgot to talk about and that we should chew on. I mean, obviously, Kevin Durant destroyed Julius Randle's ankles. That's cool. Do we want to talk about the, like, burgeoning Paul Millsap versus Blake Griffin controversy? That Well, do you, well how do you see that controversy? Well, I see it as <laughs> – and again, we talked about this in the, uh, in the Discord and on the stream last night. Um, like, you think you want – you're like, oh, man, like, Paul's not looking great at the moment. Like, I would love it if um, – if maybe we could get some Blake Griffin, and then it's like, oh wait, Blake Griffin, <laughs> get some Paul Millsap. I I feel bad about the Paul, Blake Griffin uh, situation because like I do still think that there's um like a, a prominent role for Blake. Uh, I I don't know exactly what it is given his current sort of you know limitations, but um I'm not sure how I'm feeling about Paul Millsap's minutes right now, Mike. I. I'm not super duper I, enjoying. I it. have to give him more, it's time, more time to There's fit. There's got to be more time. I mean, because we've he just hasn't got been given a consistent role, and like I'm looking at his minutes now. I mean, I guess he like fairly recently he's getting between ten to seventeen, nineteen minutes a game, but it can't continually go up and down. Dude, look at, I don't look know, at his numbers in November. They're atrocious i mean i'm yeah. not, <laughs> not yeah. I, you know i'm, I'm know. treading lightly about this but like he's shooting 30 percent from the field 20 percent from three like well, now he's shooting 26 percent from the field okay after going over three from last night there you go so it's his numbers right now are heinous heinous but you know i, and I have no doubt that that can tre- trend back upwards i was trying to compare like the end of last season to the season and he was kind of like not looking great at the end of last season either like just looking at yeah. his, his numbers um so i don't know we'll see i mean i think he was a good signing at the time partic- like I, I don't think paul Millsap is is burnt toast i don't think he's dead Okay, I, I, you got to see a little bit more because he was pretty good last year. Yes, he declined at the end of last season with the Nuggets, but he was fairly okay. Um, and I don't think Blake should be banished to the hinterlands of the Gowanus Canal. Like, I don't think he should be dipped into the toxic water of the Gowanus. Why are we banishing? We do ba- we do full bl- banishments a little. <laughs> like, that's our – I mean, we're Alec Burking – or no, uh, Kemba Walkering people, like, left and right here. <laughs> and, you know, it's we can slowly phase people in and out. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. But I guess with Nash, it's like it's an all or nothing kind of deal. I still love that Blake talked to DeAndre Jordan about how they handle really benching. Good. It is really good. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like he is the sage. Um, because if I'm being honest, like Blake was horrible on on shooting, but I I did like what he could do, sort of like setting screens and being the rugged guy. And on defense, he has no verticality, he has no real rim protection, but he would take charges. He would, you know, he was a burly, grumpy guy. Uh, to deal with for teams. He was kind of the enforcer on the Nets. I don't know. The thing that's going to be real interesting to me, so LaMarcus Aldridge played 32 minutes in this game. Obviously, now that he's starting, his minutes are going to increase just just for the simple fact that he's going to be starting games and he's going to be ending games. He's fully going to be, I mean, he's going to be a starter, essentially, in minutes. Slightly diminished, but he's going to get around like 28 minutes a game now. 
what does it look like when Nick Claxton comes back? How many minutes is he going to get? Because you know, if Nick Claxton comes back and actually looks like how he should look, meaning not a disaster, I don't know if we're going to see much Paul Millsap, much Blake Griffin at all after that fact. Because James Johnson, I don't know how you feel, power rank these. Paul Millsap, James Johnson, Blake Griffin. I mean, I James, James Johnson is number one. He's one by like head and shoulders number one at this point, which is so, crazy to say, but yeah. Yeah, I think he's like, you know, I don't want to, no one's like too firm on the rotation, but he feels pretty firm. He closed the game. Close, closed the, he's been closing multiple games and he hits big shots. Like this is not the first time he like, you know, has kind of hit timely threes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing that he does, which is, I. this is a complaint that I've had with Joe Harris, like constantly, like he just doesn't hit big threes. He like, you know, will hit five of the most like forgettable threes over the course of a game. And obviously it all counts towards the the point total, but it's like I would love a little like momentum three for you, Joe. And it seems like James Johnson only hits those. Like I only he'll, he'll go one for four, and I'll remember the one three hit and be like, "You're awesome." It the the his move to the bucket at the end of the game to win the game for the Nets <laughs> was going to was be a disaster. The slow motion <laughs> look on his face was like, He's "Fuck like, it, I'm <laughs> doing this. I'm well, doing it." I mean, I credit to him for like appraising the situation correctly because, like, you know, he really didn't have anywhere to go, and like they, you know, they to to the next credit, but for Mitchell Robinson's, uh, you know, artless, you know, spastic hands, um, they they would have closed that. Uh, perfectly on that defensive set, but uh, Mitchell Robinson spazzed out, and, went and you know the rest is history. But uh, yeah. James Johnson like <laughs> knew that he had to do the thing. He was like, I guess I'm going to be a hero in this moment. You know, it's, it, it's that it, look you're at when you're at the bar and someone gives you the shot. Like you're already five beers deep, and then someone pushes a shot yeah. your way. You're like, Yes, I'm doing it. Yeah, taking over the going edge. to the hole. Yeah, um, I'll defend Mitchell Robinson here. I know he looks like a silly defender. For, for fouling so egregiously James Johnson when, like, you should just take the percent chance of doing verticality, as Reggie Miller was saying. Mitchell Robinson was front-guarding LaMarcus Aldridge away f- from him trying to get the ball. LaMarcus Aldridge is in position to get a bucket. If Mitchell Robinson fully commits and goes straight up against James Johnson, I'm actually confident in James Johnson's ability to then dump it off real quick to LaMarcus and LaMarcus scores. Like Mitchell Robinson was in a bad place. I agree. He was left in a bad place. I agree he was in a bad place, but also like he just like, terrible foul. did yeah. a terrible thing. Um, he did a he, bad he, place, he did, bad he did thing. He did a bad thing. Just did he a did a bad thing. thing. Um, we should do, that could be a little drop. Um, yeah. Should we go to the emails, Mike? Let's go to the emails. Do you want to team me up? Yeah. Next up, cheer boy. That's Sean Good Friend. A good friend of the pod, Mike. We called him out in the last episode. He took it to heart and said, uh, hey, guys, I appreciate the call out for not sending an email in a while. I've got a fun piece of Nets trivia as well as a couple Kyrie trades for you. Trivia. So <clears throat> full disclosure, I actually already know the answer to this because I immediately upon receiving the email went to the bottom to see... Um, how long it was <laughs> and then without any context saw the answer so um i know the answer to this but mike this can be trivia for you who was the last net who was drafted by the team played their entire rookie contract with the team and was resigned by the nets wow okay um karis lavert tough to put you on a spot um i, I guess karis karis i mean definitely was drafted he definitely got an extension with the team and then they traded his took us yeah, to Indiana. Doesn't count. He needs to needs to resign, not have an extension, I guess, is is the qualifier here. 
and was resigned by the Nets. I don't know then. It's Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez stumped stumped the smelts. I don't know if play, that's play stumped the smelts. Why, why would an extension we'll, not qualify? We'll fact What's check this. Yeah, we'll I fact. think it's I think it's Karis LeVert. And sorry, Sean. And this will add <laughs> no, to the, Sean's not, Sean already hates me. Let's he just be honest. You. I don't he know. thinks I steal his takes, and now he's not going to email. But I think it's Karis LeVert. <laughs> okay, right so he says here are two Kyrie trades, and this is going to get into Kyrie trade talk. So you know, bear with us here, but we'll we'll blast through this no you know yeah. it'll be it'll be fun we'll make it fun the first one is with the kings i while i doubt Kyrie would be a happy camper on the kings their front office is crazy so they just might do it also Kyrie could opt out after the season which would make any trade tricky trade one nets get buddy healed marvin bagley lotto protected first pick kings get Kyrie. um there's an explanation for it but mike hot takes how do you like it so the one thing i I really don't want Marvin Bagley. I under like Marvin Bagley's the move the Nets would made five years ago when Sean Marks was starting out mm. and they were just desperate for talent. Mm. Um Marvin Bagley's dad like is is wild on Twitter. He's like really defending his son, which is what I would do. You know, we kind of make fun of sports parents who are vocal about their kids. I, I if I see my boy Rowan get pushed down on the playground, I go up to the kid that pushed him and I kicked him, I kick him in the butt. You know, I'm I'm full bore crazy stage sports dad. So I understand it, but Marvin Bagley's dad is that. And you don't really want that from who is Marvin Bagley at this point? He is a role player. Mm. So you don't want that. Buddy Healed, I just looked up Buddy Healed stats. He he's pretty tidy, 37% from from three. He's taking a high volume, obviously a really good shooter. Uh, but he's not good on defense. So then you're you're gonna get in a situation where I support getting Buddy healed if then you move Joe Harris for like um, Jonas Valanciunas <laughs> or no, but Joe Joe Harris to I don't know the Indiana Pacers for Miles Turner. Like I support sort of that transaction. Mm-hmm. I agree completely that the Kings would definitely consider it. But the thing is, then the Kings would have De'Aaron Fox, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton. And Davion Mitchell, the guy they just took, they would have four point guards yeah. on their roster. They already have too many point guards, so it's a little wobbly. So but his, from the, yeah, so for his yeah. explanation, he says he'll get Phoenix to Kyrie roll along Harden, blah, blah, blah. But so he says this trade only goes through if the Kings get assurances from Kyrie that he plays for them. Um, if that were the case, the Kings probably throw in a lot of uh, lotto protected first or two. Further to that, that he resigns with them. I mean, like there's a whole lot of you know contingencies on on this thing that are by no means certain. I don't think you know. I don't think the, here's the issue, and this is why I think his second trade is is more likely. It's that like we actually need to get some negative value things back in in the, in any Kyrie trade, just because there's just truly no. It's just such a unknown quantity what what he will or won't do. Um, yeah. So, like, why? So, his second trade is uh, Kirst Apps, Persingas, Trey Burke, and a 2022 first for, for Kyrie. So, I think the Porzingis thing is interesting because also Porzingis is playing kind of well this season so far, although he just got hurt again a little bit. Um, he sprained his ankle two days ago. But um, look at you with that news. Well, Come that's on. only because now, now that it's four weeks into fantasy, I actually start like paying attention. So, now I'll, <laughs> I'm going to know a few things about, about injury comings and goings. Um, so uh, they don't love Porzingis. Obviously, they were there was a whole lot of memes about how he was like basically unplayable in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, that's pro- I, I don't know if they still feel, still feel that way. He is like he he's had just before he got hurt there had a um, uh, a real good streak. So um, it's possible that they still see him as negative value, but it's possible he, they don't. 
Uh, and in this case, I think like Porzingis is maybe the only dude who's like actually super realistic and that like there's some ceiling worth trading for for Kyrie. Plus also like, you know, it doesn't matter if Kyrie comes back or not uh, because like they're going to get him off the books if that's, a, if that's what they want. Yeah. So this is a very compelling trade and I'm going to tease an episode that's going to be upcoming, but we're going to do, we talked about this before, Kyrie conundrum. We're going to really dive we're going to look at every player in the NBA of, like, the Chris Stapps Porzingis level, talking about that salary that you could flip Kyrie Irving for because we just don't know if Kyrie's going to come back. This team, the Brooklyn Nets, needs to do something and get some amount of value for Kyrie if he cannot come back this year because he refuses to get vaccinated and the city decides not to change the mandates, though we don't know. I mean, it, there's obviously we talk about what's going to happen in the future, not to be too depressing. There's this Omicron mm. variant. Like, we just don't know. There's a lot of factors that, as Nets podcasters, we're not, like, equipped Omicron. to really predict the future on. Even though I think I'm an Achilles expert, I am not an epidemiologist. I do know not Achilles yet. very not well, yet. but you I don't time, know. Mike. You got time, Yeah, thank you. I'm working on it. Here's what's interesting about the Porzingis-Kyrie swap. Okay, we know Kevin Durant at one point loved... Chris Stapps Porzingis. He gave him the name Unicorn. Like he, he was the guy who blessed Chris Stapps and called him the Unicorn. Unicorn. It was thought at one point when KD wanted to go to the Knicks that Chris Stapps was part of the reason why he wanted to go. And then obviously we know what happened after that. Uh, Porzingis and Luca, they don't get along. Uh, it doesn't really matter. They're, I don't think there's any animosity, but they just don't get along. Right. Um, the team as constructed is fine for the Dallas Mavericks. But if I'm Dallas, there was rumors this offseason that they wanted to get rid of Crip Stapps anyways. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a perfect damaged asset, damaged asset swap. If you're not going to get anything for Kyrie, if he's not going to play for you this year, Chris Stapps is a nice consolation prize. We know that the Nets were interested in Chris Stapps when the, when the Knicks traded Chris Stapps to Dallas, there were reports that the Nets were trying to shove into that trade package and trying to get Chris Stapps themselves. Didn't happen. A lot of teams maybe wanted Chris Stapps, but only the Mavericks got him. The other interesting thing about this, the new guy who runs the Dallas Mavericks, I think his name is Nico Harrison. Nico Harrison used to be one of the top executives at Nike. The reason why he was hired by the Mavericks is because of his relationships with players, his understanding of the current NBA, because if you're one of the top guys at Nike, particularly in basketball, you basically know every NBA player on a personal level already. You, Brian, on our YouTube stream, and if you, your background right now is a picture of Blake, James Harden, Paul Mill. Is that Paul Millsap? It is Paul Millsap. <laughs> well, how did <laughs> he get in there? I don't know. It should be it should be Lamarcus, of course. KD and Kyrie, and Kyrie's wearing a headband that has a big Nike swoosh on it. Kyrie is one of Nike's biggest clients. I'm going to guarantee that Kyrie has some personal relationship with Nico Harrison. Mm. I will also say we know that Kyrie is and was a Brooklyn or a New Jersey Nets fan growing up. Who was the point guard for those New Jersey teams? Jason Kidd. Where is Jason Kidd now the head coach? Mm. Dallas. Mm. So if there's if there's this concern of, hey, um, I don't know if this guy will re-sign with the team type deal, I think Dallas is one of those few teams where like Kyrie can maybe feel comfortable in because of Jason Kidd, because of I would think his relationship with the new Mavs, you know, executive. And 
if Luca needs anything, he actually needs a guy like Kyrie next to him so that they can like there's some load taken off his plate. Kyrie has already shown he can play with a ball dominant guard in James Harden. He, I mean, he played with LeBron James, who's basically a ball dominant guard. Um, it makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. Um, and they don't give a shit about vaccines in Texas. Mm. They don't no, they care. Don't. No, they don't. They actually dislike vaccines in Texas. Uh, the the governor has specifically tried uh, to uh, basically get schools to not force vaccines. I think there's literal court cases over it. Uh, so Kyrie would fit in in Dallas uh, from the Nets side, Brian, mm. again. It's kind of sad to downgrade from Kyrie Irving, one of the most electric ball handling scoring guards in NBA history, to Chris Stapps, who is damaged. But Chris Stapps is, like, pretty good. Um, he's been a fairly good soldier in fitting in as the second guy behind Luka. Um, he's already played, you know, he's played with that. I think Chris Stapps would come over to Brooklyn and be excited to play with Kevin Durant and James Harden. Until James Harden starts pulling him aside and dogging him for his defense. <laughs> <laughs> which is guaranteed to happen. But... So this is what's interesting. Let's say they did this. Chris Stapps is back st- is starting over LaMarcus, right? And d- is that problematic? Like, Ooh, is wow. LaMarcus Twin player- Towers. What are we talking about? We're going Twin Towers out here. You you mean Triple Towers? Because KD, <laughs> yeah. LaMarcus, and oh, Chris Stapps on. on the floor? Give me this. Um, I just want to update people on. So at one point, we thought about Chris Stapps as this, like, three-point bombing big, right? And when he was, his year before he tore his ACL, he was shooting 39 basically 40% from three on five attempts a game for the Knicks. Now his his three-point percentage is 31%. He's shooting five and a half attempts a game. Now his career average is 36%, which is league average. He's really not this great three-point shooter that we believed. Because I think, again, it was kind of the shock and all. Lopez territory. Yeah, he's, he's a fine three-point shooter. Now he's going to get a lot of open looks with the Nets. But he's so he's really – he's a stretch-ish big – um, his two point field goal percentage is back up to 53% from two, which is a really good sign. He's a very good free throw shooter. He is a good rebounder. He is a deterrent at the rim. Can I just say an exciting lineup of James Harden, Joe Harris, um, Kevin Durant, Chris Stapps, Patty Mills. Like that's, that's fun. It's fun. That's a lot of shooting. Um, it's a pretty devastating team. Uh, James would get his pick and roll dude. Yeah. It would also let you trade Nick Claxton for something because you don't need Nick Claxton if you have Chris Stapps. Do you like it? So in general, like I, I'll take any any trade at this point for Kyrie, you know, barring his comeback. Obviously, the comeback is preferred. Please, you know, f- for any 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 insiders who have an ear, who have Kyrie's <laughs> ear, you know, do do what you can. Make this thing happen because he's really the like you know an important part of this whole situation, and it would be a it would be unfortunately a big downgrade to go with Brzingis, but you know he's kind of putting a uh, a gun to management's head on this thing and like daring us to say like you know can you it's just a not it's an unfortunate position to be in for for like Sean Marks like not knowing what he's going to do if he's going to come back and without any assurances you have to do it so so um, ideally we would get Kyrie back in lieu of that I'm open to the Porzingis idea. I think it's a pretty good get if, if we can do it. Yeah. And like, I'm not under the illusion that he's going to be this awesome defensive force for this team. Cause the reason why he can't play in playoff series at times is because he's not 
he's not as switchy as he was. He's bulked up over, you know, trying to be a switchy, like slender man, slender man. Mm-hmm. Um, I would trust Sean Marks in this. Like I would trust his scouting because he's always been a very good scout of big men. And I would trust the fact if he thinks that Chris Epps can contribute to this team on a high level, then you make the trade. The other good thing about it is, is like Chris Epps makes slightly less money than Kyrie. And it also helps with getting um, like you get out of the question of like, do you have to give Kyrie a contract? Because there's a real threat that Kyrie just walks at the end of this year and you get nothing for him. So the Nets get out of that and they actually get to use that salary space sort of in the way that the, like the Warriors signed D'Angelo Russell. They got him for basically his salary to then use in a separate trade down the road. The Nets can get Chris Epps Porzingis because Chris Epps still has next year and then there's a player option after that, which you think Chris Epps is going to take. It gives the Nets flexibility down the road to get a third star in a different sense if they want to do that. Well, um, Mike, it's interesting. It is interesting. We did it again. We, we said we were going to do a short show and we went an hour. Um, so let's God bless us. <laughs> get yeah. The gift of gab. Um, but all good things must come to an end. So let's uh, let's wrap her up. God bless you all. Um, mm-hmm. The Nets have uh, they dominate the Knicks and that, that was to be expected. And they have a great schedule coming up and we'll be potting much more um, as the season goes on what a great love tease it. love it thanks mike thanks everybody Bye. at bk at bk glue guys um oh check out scarykittles.com for for merch merch um at athletic get behind the paywall uh discord invites in the youtube uh description and in the twitter bio bye bye bye